0: Welcome to Across the Street, your one-stop shop for all things inpatient medicine at the Durham VA, from faculty and staff who know it and love it just as much as you do. Hi, everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning in and listening to this podcast. My name is Efrem Salik. Uh I'm in the ID division at Duke. I uh, do all of my clinical work at the VA, mostly in the emergency department, but spend the majority of my time working on biomarkers and diagnostics. This podcast is going to focus on the use of diagnostic testing, specifically as it applies to patients with acute respiratory illness. We'll use some clinical vignettes to illustrate some key points, but let's start with some general highlights. The goal for this talk is to understand what diagnostic tests are available when you evaluate patients with acute respiratory illness. Beyond that, when and how should these tests be used? We're going to use a few clinical vignettes to highlight some key points. Here's the first one. Mr. Jones is a 24-year-old man with no significant medical history who comes in with four days of nasal congestion, sore throat, cough productive of green phlegm, subjective fevers, and myalgias. He has a toddler at home that goes to daycare and has had a snotty nose for the past week. For any patient that presents with an acute respiratory illness, there are several questions that you ultimately have to answer. As is often the case, the first is a basic one. Is this patient sick or not sick? He's clearly sick with something, but is he in distress? Let's assume for the rest of this discussion that we're not dealing with any really sick patients, such as those coming to the ICU. The next question you have to consider is whether the illness is due to infection or not. Common things being common, most of these cases will be due to an infectious etiology. If it isn't infectious, the differential is long and includes things like heart failure, COPD, asthma, allergies, post-infectious cough, PE, among others. I mention these conditions because they have symptoms that overlap to a variable degree with acute respiratory infection. If you've decided it's likely infectious, then you need to sort out if it's bacterial or viral because that will dictate whether you treat with antibiotics. In our vignette, I hope most would recognize that this patient likely has an infection and based on the symptoms and epidemiology is almost certainly viral. Before we consider what tests you'd order, let's consider the options. I tend to think of tests as belonging to three categories, though it's not a perfect scheme. The first is the general category of pathogen detection tests—influenza, respiratory viral panel, rapid strep, urinary strep antigen, among others. The second category are tests that are used to characterize the patient's response to the illness. This includes a white blood cell count. It could include inflammatory markers, such as C-reactive protein or procalcitonin, It could include things like chemistry and LFTs to assess organ dysfunction. The third category are tests to try to identify the syndrome, such as a chest X-ray that could decide whether this patient has pneumonia or perhaps bronchitis. Uh, Imaging often falls into this general category. To put these three types of tests together, you could order a chest X-ray to differentiate bronchitis from pneumonia. You could get a white blood cell count, a chemistry, lactate, among others, to identify if sepsis is present. You could order a respiratory viral panel to identify the cause of his illness. I'll highlight another philosophical point with respect to testing. Why do we test at all? The way I see it, I think of it as something that you do to either increase or decrease your confidence in a particular diagnosis so that you feel empowered to take action. Most often, the diagnosis can be made through history alone, and although you may suspect a diagnosis, you may not be sufficiently confident in that diagnosis to take action. Or you have alternative diagnoses that are still too high on your differential to exclude. In these cases, we do things like examine the patient or order tests to increase the confidence in our diagnosis and action plan. Said differently, we are trying to modify the post-test probability. Getting back to the vignette, what tests might you order? I hope you decided on none. This patient's history is sufficiently consistent with a diagnosis of a cold, or perhaps acute bronchitis, such that no additional testing is needed. He is not acutely ill. The syndrome is viral in etiology. The only viral etiology that could be treated is influenza, but he is out of the treatment window, which is 48 hours. Therefore, no testing is needed. Here's another vignette. A 68-year-old man with a history of COPD presents with shortness of breath, cough, and wheezing for the past two days. The cough has been productive of green sputum. He does not usually have a cough with a COPD. He states that his symptoms began with nasal congestion, sore throat, chills, and subjective fever. He thinks his grandkids might have gotten him sick. His vital signs are normal, except for a respiratory rate of 22. He has a notable wheeze, but otherwise a normal exam. So let's start by generating a differential. First of all, is it infectious or not? Well, in truth, it might be a little bit hard to tell. He has COPD, which is, at its core, a non-infectious process— but COPD is often triggered by infection and he has symptoms of one. So in this case, it is just that, an infection that has exacerbated a non-infectious condition. This is important because we'll need to consider both when deciding on treatment. Second question, is it bacterial or viral? Gold criteria would indicate this patient should get antibiotics based on his dyspnea and purulent sputum due to concerns that those are a result of a bacterial infection. However, sputum appearance has no reliable association with etiology. As in our first vignette, the epidemiology and constellation of symptoms indicate this is a viral infection. But perhaps your confidence isn't quite as high, and you worry that you should prescribe antibiotics. So how do you increase your confidence to either give or not to give antibiotics? This is where testing can be very helpful. So what tests might you order? Let's run through some of the possibilities. A chest x-ray is reasonable let's imagine for a moment that there is an infiltrate. Does that warrant antibiotics? Truthfully, most providers would treat with antibiotics. However, we know from a variety of studies that many pneumonias, perhaps even the majority, are due to viral infections. So while an x-ray may not be able to differentiate bacterial from viral etiologies, it can still define if we're dealing with pneumonia or COPD, which might be handled slightly differently. It can also identify complications of a pneumonia, such as empyema, Though this patient does not have a history suggestive of this severity of illness. Should we check a white blood cell count? Most clinicians would. However, an elevated white blood cell count does not mean this patient has an infection and certainly cannot differentiate bacterial from viral etiologies. And a normal white blood cell count does not exclude an infection. Therefore, a white count does not really change your confidence in the diagnosis. Although if it is abnormal, it does give you an objective means to monitor treatment response. How about a flu test? Depending on the season, this would be an important test to do in this situation. If this patient has influenza, he should receive oseltamivir based on the fact that he has COPD and because symptoms have been present for two days, the threshold where treatment was most effective. Procalcitonin is another test, which in this case would also be very helpful. PCT is an inflammatory biomarker secreted by the tissues in response to infection. It is not released by immune cells and is therefore largely unaffected by immunosuppression that release of pre-CT is inhibited by interferon, which is the body's primary defense against viral infection. Consequently, procalcitonin has been used to distinguish viral infection, where it is low, from bacterial infection, where it is high. A cutoff of 0.25 nanograms per mil has been successfully used to guide antibiotic administration in patients presenting with acute respiratory illness. Of all the tests discussed so far, procalcitonin would be the most helpful in deciding whether to treat this patient with antibiotics. Well, why wouldn't you order a PCT? Are there any situations where it might not make sense? Well, one scenario is if you are so confident this patient does not need antibiotics that an elevated procalcitonin wouldn't sway you. Or if you are so confident this patient does need antibiotics that a normal procalcitonin wouldn't sway you. This can be generalized to any test. If the test will not change your practice regardless of the result, then there's no reason to order it. You should also be knowledgeable about the limitations of your test. In the case of procalcitonin, it can be falsely elevated, in other words, a false positive, in patients who have renal failure, those who have undergone major trauma, including surgery, and in burn victims. What about false negatives? You can see that in patients with localized infection, who have relatively little local inflammation, patients with bacterial and viral co-infection, where the viral response dominates, early in infection, where procalcitonin has not risen yet, although it should rise within 24 hours of illness, and in atypical bacterial infections such as mycoplasma. These scenarios are uncommon but not impossible and should be considered even before you order the test. For example, if you suspect a bacterial viral co-infection, again this happens less often than people think, then procalcitonin probably won't be helpful since you may not believe a negative result anyway. Well let's bring it back to our second vignette. This patient's presentation is nearly identical to that of the first, except he has an exacerbation of his COPD and has had two days of symptoms. The patient's chest X-ray did not show an acute infiltrate. His white blood cell count was 10.4, influenza testing was negative, and his procalcitonin was less than 0.05 nanograms per mil. The recommendation here would be to treat with steroids and bronchodilators for his COPD, and then any symptomatic management of his upper respiratory tract symptoms, but antibiotics would not be indicated. So the final thoughts are these. One, for patients with acute respiratory illness who are not critically ill, it is useful to divide your differential into infectious and non-infectious etiologies, but consider that both may be present. Of the infectious etiologies, bacterial and viral are the most common, with viral being far more common with a ratio of roughly 3 to 1, though that varies to some extent based on the practice environment. Two, your history is enough to make the diagnosis in most cases. Three, use testing to increase or decrease your confidence in that diagnosis, which will help you decide on a treatment plan. And four, understand your test before you order it. Know its performance characteristics. Know what it can and cannot tell you. And know what actions you'll take depending on the results you get. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. The views and opinions stated during this podcast are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Department of Veterans Affairs or Durham VA Hospital.